It's a five-star podcast. Because we do it. What's real? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Real podcast, the one double nickel, episode 155. I am your host, Ed Demko, along with my co-host, the J himself, Jared Bajoris. But before we throw it to him, uh, we're under a little bit of a time constraint this week, and we've had a few technical issues with the show, but we're going to deliver the whole show for you this week. As we normally do, we're just going to kind of do a shorter open here. So how you doing, the J, my tag team championship partner in podcasting? Tech issues get me even more pumped up. Hey, and the J's in full force with the pulsation nation behind them. And I am as pumped this week to get the 155 recorded with you in our world of the double R question mark. Hey, Ed, as the bad guy himself, Razor Ramon, as pumped as Razor this week. And I bring it up just for a quick somber shout out to the great Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. We lost our boy as we record one year ago today. Hey, Ed, my dad has the nickname. We talked about it before. He means a lot to us as just fans. And we wanted to shout out a rest in power to the great Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. Tech issues or not, hey, Ed, still doing the shout outs. The J still staying pumped. Let's bring the one nickel nickel. And of course, I have to ask again, the J, rewind it up a little bit. How you doing? Better than you, Chico. Oyame. Perfect. So we have a good show lined up for you guys. Of course, we're going to talk some wrestling this week. We have the WWE A&E biography on Kane. And of course, the latest episode of WWE Rivals, all about Triple H and Bautista. And of course, it is March Movie Madness here on the What's Real podcast. And we have a double dose of Fridays at midnight this week. Uh, And this is one of the more interesting double features that we've ever had here on the show. Uh, as far as this segment goes, but nonetheless, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to be talking about the 1999 directed uh, by Troy Duffy film, The Boondock Saints. That would be the Jay's choice uh, this week, so we're going to go back to 99 for that. And of course, uh, your boy, uh, whenever I pick shit, I kind of go completely insane, I guess would be the best way to call it. And we have one of the most insane movies we've ever had here on the show. This is from 1979, and if you've ever wondered what a kung fu movie with uh, people with missing appendages and certain body parts missing, getting in all kinds of weird fights looks like, it looks like 1979's The Crippled Masters, one of my favorite movies of all time. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, too. So how are we doing this week? The Jay, you hanging in there, brother? Other yeah, man, we're uh, obvious tech issues here. Yeah, we get through it. We're we're used to it. They pop up in in the f- independent film world and, and within podcasting. It's part of the game. So n- nothing's perfect. Hey, Ed. So tech issues abound. I'm still in a good mood, like like we were talking about with the pump up typical open. Uh, but yeah, doing pretty good here, man. For those that don't know, we celebrate uh, St. Patty's in Pittsburgh pretty big every year, and that's that time of year. And uh, so Saturday morning, I was out for the Pittsburgh St. Patty's Day. They have the parade, uh, which I don't go to anymore i'm too old for that shit hey ed but i went straight to the bar at, at 9 30 for some guinness with our, not, our good friend not another too old for that though not too old for that <laughs> good good irish buddy of mine chris and and some peeps you know shout out to jamos jamos in, in dormont my buddy jamie and, and his wife krista the open the uh, owners great people always uh, great to go up there and had a good time this weekend hey ed and I, I know you were all over the place too we were we've been getting it in on our weekends because yeah. we've been grinding out so you got to work hard and play hard as as our boy from pittsburgh too was Khalifa says absolutely uh celebrated on Saturday as well um, I'm not Irish at all but I probably had three or four Irish car bombs 
uh, plus a lot of other stuff too. But it was a great night uh, all around there. Uh, saw the Jizza from Wu Tang on uh, Friday night. Uh, played with a live band. That was a little weird. Yeah, you not told ex- me it was kind of weird. Not exactly what we were looking for, but we still had a pretty good time. Uh, might have drank more that night. Uh, so, like over the course of the weekend, I probably drank a lot more than I probably should have. But <laughs> that happens. Yeah, but I made it out alive, and that's all that really matters. But yeah, like I didn't come home before three o'clock in the morning <laughs> the whole yeah. fucking weekend <laughs> on so, Pittsburgh St. Patty's. Yeah, yeah, and and also because of varying reasons, I didn't sleep at all from Saturday until Sunday. Like so, Sunday was less like intermittent napping uh, between marathons of other things. So that was fun. But as, as far as the live jizz ahead, please tell me he at least opened with the Shogun Assassin oh, clip. Yeah. I mean, at uh, that that's point, awesome. yeah, you're probably that, pumped up at that point. Yeah. Like I'm ready to spin kick somebody and fucking hit somebody <laughs> yeah. in the head with a stool. Yeah. That, that's that's pretty good to much, hear. pretty much where I was at at that point. Cause way too many drinks in at that point in the night as well. Uh, but it was a good time all around. Good weekend all around. But, uh, here we are on Tuesday, ready to do this fucking thing. We call the what's real podcast, Jay. Uh, what do you say we take a quick commercial break and let's just start getting into it here. Yeah, let's do the thing. The world of professional wrestling. Hey, I'm ready with your boy, Glenn Jacobs in the flesh. That's right. Uh, He's talking about Kane because that is the WWE A&E biography and WWE rivals on Triple H and Bautista. When we come back right after this, right here on the What's Real podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Herman James with the What's Real podcast. Finally giving me something to do here. It's been a while since I talked to you guys, but I'm actually helping them out doing an advertisement for advertisers. That's right. If you would like to advertise here on the What's Real podcast and join the team, just shoot us an email today. We got cheap, easy, and affordable rates, and we could hook you up with some kick-ass advertisements. Just hit us up at Gmail. It's at whatsrealpod at gmail.com. That's whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Join the team with me, my brother Timothy James, the wizard behind the boards, Cam, the J, and Hey Ed. It's the What's Real team for some advertisers. Hit us up, whatsrealpod at gmail.com today. And we're back, and it is time to get into some wrestling talk. First up, the WWE A&E biography on Kane, the Big Red Machine, also known as the Big Red Mayor, I guess, nowadays. Um, But they went back through the history. The one thing that I will give them on here that was kind of cool was they were showing a lot of the stuff with uh, Kane as Unabom back in his Smoky Mountain days, which is probably the first time he got on our radar, at least through the magazines and stuff like that. Uh, of course, he would end up in the WWE eventually as uh, Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, uh, which was the evil wrestling dentist. Um, yeah, that was not good. Um, and then he would eventually turn into Kane, uh, as we know him today, and have a pretty long career considering. Um, I think that, you know, for us at least, I think I could speak for both of us on here. Kane was a pretty big deal when he first came around as Kane. Um, and that's about it. Like after that Undertaker feud kind of sizzled out originally, you know, Kane had some ups and downs, but was never really one of our favorites or anything like that. Uh, he was definitely a big star. I'm not going to deny that, especially through several eras, including the Attitude Era. But also, if you want to talk about Kane, you got to talk about like some of the cringiest shit that the WWE's ever done uh, was involving his character. That's the whole Katie Vick thing was with Kane. Um, just like, you know, they even show it on here where like they were doing before King of the Ring that we went to, 
uh, where he was doing the shit where he's like, if I don't win the belt, I'm going to light myself on fire. Like that kind of weird shit when he's talking about the voice box and everything. It's kind of, this was kind of a reminder for me, the Jay, that Kane overall has been a pretty fucking weird character for, for most of these years. Like, <laughs> yeah. And not just because he was like involved with The Undertaker and they kind of did like a lot of the weird shit. Like they kind of went off the rails with Kane many times. Like remember when he stuck the car battery to Shane's balls and like just fucking weird shit with Kane. A lot of weird shit. And you know how it is, hey, Ed, especially going back to when Kane started in the mid-90s there and having the longevity that he's had, like you said, a very, very long WWE-specific career since uh, his debut in 97, you're going to go through a lot of shit, you know? And that, that's yeah. why Undertaker was good in this because he was chuckling a lot at all the characters Kane played, and he's just yep. like, the fact that this dude made it to <laughs> the Hall of Fame and the storied career that he ended up having is great. Like, that just shows that he had a lot of dedication and just wouldn't give up. I mean, at one point... And I believe it was Smoky Mountain. He was the Christmas creature. And they, they have his uh, mom, his parents are both still alive and on here, which yep. is you know definitely a cool aspect of this documentary. I've never heard of Kane's parents speaking in anything. And his mom was actually a seamstress. So she's Wait the one minute. that put together the Christmas creature character thing. I was blown away because I, I always thought Paul Bearer was his dad. Yeah, this this whole thing surprised you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the main reason that I actually enjoyed this for the most part was the stroll down memory lane. It wasn't necessarily Kane or Glenn Jacobs. It was just the like where he was during his career, and you know, like you said, going back to the Smoky Mountain days, and me thinking that it's it's always the nostalgia thing. It definitely that, that, is. Them getting Al Snow was kind of cool. I thought that was yeah. cool. Who used to yeah, be there was there was cool parts of Smoky this. Mountain. You they talked. They talked about the the you know putting his character together when the dentist didn't work out, and everybody's like, "Yeah, I mean, he didn't stand a chance." And he's like, "Yeah, what can? How can this go so far?" One thing within that, hey Ed, and I know you'll get a kick out of this, or did I should say get a kick out of this? As always, MVP Bret Hart pops up, and he's oh, yeah. like, "I like Glenn a lot. I knew he was capable of some stuff." So even though he had this terrible gimmick, I wanted to get something out of him. And the highlights of the Isaac Yankum Bret Hart match made me want to track that down and check it out. Knowing and the behind the scenes. No, don't. Uh, it sucks. I can tell you from okay, personal experience because I was there the night it happened. There you That's go. That's SummerSlam 95. So That's a good call. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, not that I disagree with Brett. He clearly worked very well. Well, the highlights, you know, they're 30 seconds. It just made it look good. That's what documentaries yeah. can do. So. Yeah, and, and it's not because that's when he was terrible. And frankly, when he became quote unquote good, he wasn't very good, in my opinion, either. Um, yeah, it's this is kind of weird to me, right? Because, like, I get it because Kane's had such a long and storied career type thing that he would get something like this. But, dude, like, I kind of like was rolling my eyes at one point because they just like this has all the manufactured bullshit in it where it's like, oh, I was having a really hard time in my career at that point. And Undertaker like was like, I'll help you, brother. And it's like, no, no, you didn't. Because like they made you the fake diesel too, which correct me if I'm wrong, they don't even cover in this. Yeah, they do. They do? Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, they it's not a lot. So No, because at one they, point they have his wife on here and She's talking about like, oh, he had to dye his hair jet black and grow That's this right. goatee. And I thought he was so sexy or something. Yeah, like, and, it's, and, he, and, he looks, 
and he has weird shit as Diesel. Like, <laughs> yeah. weird as fucking I thought shit. that was the weirdest comment. I mean, that's his dude, wife. I get it. But dude, dude, just you thinking about it is funny. You know what Kane looks like as Diesel? What? He, he looks like he's wearing a, like a disguise. Like, so you yeah. don't want people to recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, they covered it briefly. But, like, dude, they... Kane wasn't in trouble losing his job. They just needed to find him a gimmick. Like, that's why they kept giving him chances because they knew he was like, they liked how he was in the ring. So they always got to manufacture that like trials and tribulations. Like, granted, when Jake's on, they don't have to do that shit because he had real ones. Like, Kane didn't really have those kind of problems. He fucking worked there consistently for 20 plus years. Like, it is what it is, but... You know, they do that for these, and I kind of just rolled my eyes at it. But, like, you know, it's not that this was bad. Like, put it this way. I'm sure there's a lot of wrestling fans and people that would enjoy this. But for somebody like me who's seen Kane's entire career, there's nothing in this that I didn't already fucking know. It's just like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I'll never watch this again. I have absolutely no nostalgia factor or anything like that as far as as Kane goes so it's just kind of like okay it, this is a I won't say it was grueling but I was like it was kind of a long watch and I'm like by the end I'm like I'm glad this is over yeah like one of some of my uh, bullet points hey Ed was when he said he was born in Spain like yeah usually you, you with the weird it. wrestling shit and like, like what but then you find out he was a, a like army, army baby, yeah, army yep. brat. So his dad was in the U.S. Uh, States Air Force. But that was an interesting note to make. Um, a- after it, we were going over like all his gimmicks and like how Undertaker uh, had mentioned. It's it's amazing that he lasted with with all these things that he had to try to pull off and didn't before he found Kane. Yep. Some of them include, and I'm, I can't even read them all because it's just too long and cumbersome. But some of them include Angus King. <laughs> we already said the Christmas creature. Spartacus, he was named at one point. Sid Jeez. Powers. Of course. So, like, yeah, this dude survived uh, dude, a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Um, and I forget how this showed up, that it was a thing. But it was a match on WCW Saturday night. But have you ever seen the match between him and Sting? Uh, not that I can recall. Like, Surfer Sting. Like, this is from, like, 94-ish, probably. And that's when he was, like, Sid Powers or something like that. Well, he was just a jobber. Like, they just... He, for all I remember, he might even have been Glenn Jacobs. Well, he was he Bruiser just, Mastino. That's what it was. Yeah. That's 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 what he wrestled as. So, yeah, but, I mean, Sting just beats him pretty easily. Like, it wasn't anything like... They didn't have a feud or anything. But there's a match that they had that aired on TV that was definitely the first time he was on national television, I would say, for sure. Yeah. And a losing effort to Sting. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, their production value on these are all great. Like, you know, they know how to make these. But it's just, you know, sometimes the character isn't good enough for me. Like, put it this way. I know we're covering this for the show and stuff like that. But, like, just for me, like, if we weren't doing these or, like, we didn't do a podcast, like, I probably wouldn't even watch this. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, nah, I don't care. Yeah, it's I mean, I, like I said, I, I thought it was all right. I mean, I'm not going to 
go crazy over it myself, but I, I thought it was decent. Um, one of the only other things I wanted to mention, hey, Ed, just with our uh, horror fandom, they did cover uh, how the character was kind of going to be developed uh, as a horror character to go against Undertaker and, and everything. And Bruce Prichard talks about his original pitch of it. And then it goes into Glenn Jacobs talking about the influence from uh, Michael Myers. Or, I'm sorry, it was Jason Voorhees. And uh, was that was that the only horror thing I think they should? He said Michael Myers too. Okay, yeah. Well, dude, here's the thing, and this is why I don't even like this. I'm not saying that he's wrong, right? But like, I kind of call a little bit of bullshit, and I'll tell you why. The one thing that the Undertaker used to do that he kind of made famous is remember the sit up. Yeah, you know what that is, right? From Jason. No, that's from the exact thing you see. In the last scene of Halloween, oh, like gotcha. when she's crying against yeah, the yeah, yeah, Michael yeah, Myers, yeah, yeah. that's where Undertaker got that from, no matter what. And he never really said that, so I feel like he just kind of passed that along to Kane. Like, yeah, tell him this is where he got it from. Like, okay, well, because he said that's, he got the head turn from his dog. Yeah, and, and I, I've heard that and, before, which is weird because I thought he would have gotten that from like Michael Myers. That's yeah, you know, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Like. It's not that, like, and it reminds me, too, like, you know, Russo was there at that time, and he was, like, the movie goof. So, like, I could see them probably saying that. You know what I mean? Like, or like, bro, you just like Michael Myers, bro. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it it all just uh, leads to them talking about him going into, when they launched WWE Studios Film Company, he went into the character Jacob Goodnight to play uh, in the movie See No Evil. Which is good. And the, the first the one I like. That's what I wanted the to bring up. A- the sequel's a piece of shit. Yeah, that's the uh, Saska twins or whatever. Yeah, Saska twins. Saska, Saska twins. sisters. Yeah. Didn't you have a make love to them? No, they're horrible people. But that's a whole other argument for another day. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the original one is a lot of fun. Like it's a pretty damn good. I you remember know, liking that. I haven't slashed forever. Play. Yeah, I haven't either. And I, I would definitely, dude. That's something that I can randomly see myself. Uh, you know, putting on my list for the you know what I, I might have watched it the first thirty one days. Now that I think about it, you know how okay. hard that is to remember. Yeah, I mean, trust twenty twenty. We, we watch a lot of <laughs> movies anyway, so it's you know it gets a little crazy sometimes. But um, but yeah, that's a WWE biography on A and E uh, about Kane. So Glenn Thomas Jacobs, GT Jacobs, good, good old Knox County, Tennessee. <laughs> what a dildo he became, but. <laughs> Uh, now we move on to WWE Rivals Triple H versus Bautista. And my problem with this, the J, and I think you know where I'm going with this, is this was not really a great rivalry, in my opinion. Um, now, the first buildup they had to, to their first WrestleMania match where Bautista would win the belt from them, like, that stuff was pretty good. Like, I do remember that. But, like, if you remember this, the J, this was an era where we were not fans of Bautista. Um, we probably didn't really start liking Bautista until after he was successful. He got a lot better. Um, the Triple H, especially at this time, was not a favorite of any of ours. Um, dude, I just, you know what this kind of made me realize? I fucking hate that era. I hate it. It's so bad. Like, not that Trips and Bautista was bad, but just that, like, 2004 2005 time period like yeah because wasn't that the the raw was on tnn at the beginning of that maybe era it's right after that it's like the era of like chris masters and yeah because they they first started they even had the weird set 
for Raw yeah. at that point. Yeah, there's that kind of stuff of, stands out. A lot of shit about that era that's just very bland and you know, that's kind of when like if when you remember like they they had like guys like Eddie and Benoit and all them like firing on all cylinders and then obviously they passed away and then they started to go back towards more like the the musclehead dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Bless, Bless me. <laughs> Riveting, hey. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're supposed to pick it up, motherfucker. We'll have no, Cam take care of it or not. <sighs> Fuck it. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm allergic <laughs> to this rivalry because it's not a good rivalry. <laughs> yeah. um, you're allergic but, to the, the round table. <laughs> no, still cracks I'm, I'm, out. Actually, I'm allergic to Triple H's hairstyle circa 2005. Yeah, where with he was the doing like, Fu Manchu, the thick Fu Manchu. And the goofy hair. Yeah, like, like he, the frizzed. The, the Ric Flair, Lex Luger hair that he had for years there <laughs> where he looked like a fucking idiot. And he put on um, weight. Yeah, that was like uh, post-steroid. What would they call him? Oh. Something funny. It was like. God damn it. Chubble trip. I forget. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, dude, this was. Man, this is easily the worst episode of Rivals I may have ever seen. Um, It's just not a lot of stuff to go by. Like, it's them just perpetuating shit. Like, oh, and then we had the second match. And then it did this. And then. Like, and then you have the round table where it's like the funniest thing ever is just watching fucking Freddie Prince cream his jeans. Where it's like the Royal Rumble's my favorite. Like yeah. I'm like, man, this is a fucking weird episode of this. Yeah. Like I thought that multiple times watching this one. Um, I get like, dude, I don't really know this. Like, I guess I'm a little bit out of the frame for this. Like, I wonder how fondly like people look at this who were young when it happened because like it's i still don't even hear a lot of shit on social media and stuff about this era or like nobody's really taking up for this era or anything so it's kind of a weird thing to revisit it's older than you think it is but it feels newer than what it is yeah two years like those oh five years is coming on 20 years which is yeah it, which is wild. Yeah. Uh, they bring up the stuff with Crown Jewel and Triple H getting hurt. And like, I, I'm sorry, but I feel like the Crown Jewel match with him and the Brothers of Destruction versus him and, and Shawn Michaels is like so bad that they should literally act like it never happened. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, it's the reason why Shawn Michaels will probably never come back to wrestling again. Yeah, unfortunately, no that's what. his last official WWF, at least probably pro wrestling match. Yeah, yeah that's horrible. So yeah. it is what it is, but you know, that's kind of where we're at with it. But like, yeah, man, I just really, you know, I mean, you probably like this better than I did, but like, I was really like, Oh, this is fucking underwhelming as shit. Yeah. I mean, I like the parts, you know, more recent with the acting stuff, just cause that's like my world. Like, and it was cool but seeing. Dude, should that even be in rivals though? No, like, that's that why this Bautista is the bi- biography. Not yeah. This. Th- this shows the show that we were hoping not to deal with. It really turned into where it's just like that magazine esque that I, I keep, you know, using that description, but that's kind of what it is. It's like the glossy, like you mentioned, good production, of course. Um, and it's, it's not like it's like pulling teeth. I mean, this one might've been for you <laughs> the way it sounded, but like, you know, I get through them fine, but yeah, this, this is just <laughs> very far on the spectrum from riveting. Hey, Ed, we'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah, it's just a, like there's no real issues. That it's just kind of like, and then we decided to do this. Okay. And then we came back and we're going to do this now. Like, all right. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not terrible, but I just don't have any interest in it. I, did, I 
I thought originally when I first found out what the episode was, that I'm like, that's eh, kind of stupid. I don't know. Like, there's you, way better rivalries they could have done than this. Did you remember that the whole official setup for WrestleMania, the comeback match for, for Batista against Triple H, that got uh, solidified in Pittsburgh? I forgot about that. Yeah, I did forget because they were they were like by the uh, Lemieux statue. They had that in there, and that's where Dave said, uh, "Give me what I want." And of course, Freddie Prinz, like you said, like creaming it up, is yelling the line because he was probably on the writing team at that time. Yeah, and they and they they uh, they show a clip of Seth Rollins saying he still uses that meme when he's texting somebody to give me what I want, which is kind of (laughs) kind of funny. See, and that kind of felt weird too. Like they had a lot of the most recent guys. Yeah, Owens was in this. Kevin Owens. And I'm just like, do you really care? Or is this just like, they're like, hey, would you they threw Cody in there. Yeah, of course. So you knew you that gotta, was recent. Yep. So Probably while he was hurt. Like, just do this what? for rivals. But like, I don't even know why his import his uh, other than the fact of who he is in the company right now. I'm like, why is this fucking like, why did they feel the need to get Cody on here? Like, he was like a bit player in the company at that point. But OK, like, whatever, yeah. you know. It's just a lot of weird choices for this one, but you're going to have that with the newer stuff. Like, you know, instead of getting people that like, it would have been cool to see more shit from like Flair and like Orton, you know, cause they were in fucking revolution. Yeah. Like I could, I could picture like a good documentary pulling, pulling off just for even like an era, like you said, that's not really looked back too great with the rose colored glasses, even like we talk about, like it was yeah. definitely a weird era there, but you could, you have enough footage with the constant content of the WWE machine that a different documentary team, I feel can do something a lot cooler with this. Like you're saying with like flair and Orton and stuff, but the, the way these go with their glossiness and, and just how they are, uh, I think we could call that out. And, and even though I liked it better than you, I mean, I'm just saying I was entertained enough by it, but, but again, it's, like we keep saying, it's a good point to make that we're not going to go back and watch this shit. We're, we're doing it for yeah. the podcast and they do the, the, the month of the WWE on, on A&E now. So it's worth checking out, but it's a one watcher for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, didn't have to spend a whole lot of time on that this week because they're not the greatest, but that's okay. We're going to still cover them throughout the season uh, and we'll have new episodes of both next week and actually two episodes of biography. Yeah, so, there's two one-hour episodes of biography next week with Jerry Lawler and Paige, and then the WWE Rivals is Lita and Trish Stratus. So, yeah, it's probably going to be another quick week for us next week as well. But yeah. we'll see. You never know. Maybe they'll surprise us. But uh, we are up against another commercial break here. And whenever we come back, it's time to go back to 1999. It's time for Fridays at Midnight Part 1, Boondock Saints. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this right here on the What's Real Podcast. Join us next week for Episode 156 of the What's Real Podcast. Professional wrestling on A&E this month continues with episode five of Rivals and Biography. It's Lawler and Page. And Lita versus Trish Stratus. And we have a double dose of movie segments closing out the month with a special surprise Thursday Night Prime and a Movies That Made Us. Ha! This is Timothy James with the Withrow Podcast, where I always represent Goose or Goose. This one for the one Lawrence Taylor episode of the show next week, 156. The guys get crazy and zany talking about Jake Paul's wet dreams, zombie viruses, Russell Wilson and Ciara going to sing at inmates, cheer coaches raping people. Everything's all crazy, man. Everybody's raping everybody up here. 
all that much more next week on episode 156 of the What's Real podcast. And we're back. And first up is Fridays at Midnight Part 1 here with 1999's The Boondock Saints, directed by Troy Duffy. With a God-inspired moral obligation to act against evil, twin brothers Connor and Murphy set out to rid Boston of criminals. However, rather than working within the system, these Irish Americans decide to take swift retribution into their own hands. Of course, starring Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, Norman Reedus, David De La Rocca, Billy Conley, and many others. Um, this one is, uh, I would say, pretty damn close to being like the cult movie of 99. Like, this is one that, like, it basically did nothing in theaters. It was a complete afterthought. And for some reason, in the advent of the world of DVD, this thing blew the fuck up. It's kind of like uh, Donnie Darko was the same kind of way to me as far as that goes. It was just like a word of mouth thing. Um, this one's obviously your pick to the J, but I also really love this movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's action packed. There's a lot of shootouts and fun shit and cool stuff and pretty decent performances here. And oddly enough too, a lot of people thought that this was going to be the thing that like really sets up, um, Troy, Troy Duffy's Duffy. career. Yeah. And it really didn't. Uh, the only things he ever ended up doing was the sequel to Boondock Saints. Um, but he's, of course, known um, for being in a documentary uh, about him. It's it's called Overnight. It's from 2003. Um, it's a documentary where it like chronicles him trying to make a movie. And it's like supposed to be a rags to riches story about Troy Duffy. But he ended up looking like a total asshole from it. And it probably hurt his career. Um, so that's another interesting thing about this. Uh, but nonetheless, the Boondock Saints is the best thing he ever did, without question. Um, what did you think about this one as far as rewatching it, the Jay? How did this one hold up for you? Uh, it's one of our classics. It, it holds up all the time for me. I, I can still remember the first time I experienced Boondock Saints. As always, hey, Ed, nice good uh, breakdown there initially. So I'll re- repeat it. But with that breakdown where it's kind of getting popular on DVD and everything at that time, and it's a place that we've referenced here on the show in the past, our friend Gus and Russ, two brothers, yep, Gus and Russ, uh, their basement, uh, I still remember the first time, not even, we, were, we weren't going to watch the movie, I don't think we had time, so he's like, dude, this new movie, Boondock Saints, you got to at least watch this scene, and I saw the scene with him jumping off the roof with the, the toilet that's, onto that's the, the Russian the dude. And yep. dude, I was in. I'm like, man, I cannot wait to watch this because we just watched that one scene. But that's the impact of this film at the time that it's like, dude, you just got to watch this one scene and then eventually check this movie out. And I was just hooked. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, just listening, there's a scene earlier on in the movie. It's a flashback where Sean Patrick Flannery's character to save his brother in the alley uh, escapes from being uh, handcuffed to a toilet and still has it attached and jumps off a fucking roof onto the Russian gangsters with the toilet. And it's ridiculous. Dude, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't think people, like, I think people that see this movie now are going to kind of be like, what's the big deal? But the thing that a lot of people don't realize is like this movie came out 
And there were so many movies that basically tried to copy its style and like its pacing and like the type of like shoot 'em up action flick that it kind of is. And it kind of lessens the impact of this one. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like fucking, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Like a lot of people don't realize the impact that Nirvana had because they weren't around when grunge started. So they don't like grunge. So like Nirvana sucks. And it's like, if you would have been there when it happened, you would have seen how the impact was and how it all shook out. And it's the same thing for this. Like the movie had a massive impact when it came out. But it's been lessened through the years because there's probably been 500 other movies to come out that are very similar to it. And none of them are as good. And those are the ones that people grew up kind of watching and might have missed Boondock Saints. And if they went back and watched it now, they'd be like, I don't know, it's like everything else. Yeah, because as you referenced earlier with uh, Duffy's career and everything, Boondock Saints 2 did come out and uh, we were all kind of disappointed with it. You know, Very mediocre. Yeah, me. like there's some parts and aspects, that sort of thing, but just in comparison to the original, which, you know, it's tough to do. I get it, but you know, it is what it is as far as the sequel goes. And then there is a rumored uh, third from coming from Duffy, Boondock Saints and 3, it, but we'll see if that happens or not. Do you even care if that would happen at this point? Not like, unfortunately like not. See it or you're like, uh, yeah, I, you know, we're such film it. nerds, I got to say, that I'd probably probably track it down eventually just because it's easy you know if you give something some time you can usually watch on that streaming service that you have things like that so it, it would still probably be something i would check out but you're right i wouldn't be excited about it put it that way um you know some of the highlights of course you ran through the cast the cast you know is unreal i mean william defoe plays this crazy you know gay detective character that like listens to uh symphonies and stuff when he's at the crime scenes he's like one of those and of course he just eats up every scene he's in in this and uh Redis and flannery have great chemistry as the brothers uh they're really yeah, cool that, in this dude dude between their their chemistry with um rocco david De- Del- david yeah. Rocco steals it as he's the yeah. character rocco is great the and even billy connelly, and then billy too, connelly like, pops up, those, those guys all work together really well like they all fit together well and you can tell too that like and then you know what here's another thing too you fucking throw willem defoe like willem defoe's good in everything i don't right, care if exactly. the movie sucks like he's great in it um but like that whole and dude he i love his character because like th- this is what i love about willem defoe he plays a pretty, like, typically normal character in the movie, but, like, the way he plays him is so weird, and, like, he's just this weird fucking detective that's, like, obsessed with him, but he's, like, a creepy fucker. Like, it's a <laughs> yeah. really cool way of playing that. Like, he could have just played that, like, the straight guy, but, like, it's Willem Dafoe. You know he ain't fucking doing that. No, and his, his chemistry with uh, an actor named Bob Marley, ironically, who's Detective Greenlee, uh, Bob Marley is actually a stand-up comedian, which which makes sense because yep. William Defoe's character Paul Smecker like just always busts his balls and fucks with him and uh, sent, you know sends him away to get coffee, of course, and all that kind of you know little trope shit. But it it works really well, and, and Bob Marley sells it really good. And you got to mention this too in the one small role that uh, probably doesn't look good, in, you know, compared to the timing of everything, is the character of Vincenzo La Posse. Uh, yeah. Played by Ron Jeremy. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. But, you know, it was what he was. This is many, many years ago. Well, and you got to say, so. I mean, just talking strictly acting, he he does fine in this, in his yeah. role. He's a yep. fucking sleazy asshole. <laughs> so, there's a, there's yeah. a reason why he was cast. Exactly. Uh, it's just unfortunate where, you know, the allegations against him, uh, like, like you said, don't even need to go there. But, but yeah, I mean, this, this was just... Uh, 
that that's the best thing I could say about it. Hey, Ed is, is how you already broke it down. It was just one of those called classic gems. They got word of mouth at the time and it was just a timing thing. And as we always say with perspective from where we're at as film goers then and starting our DVD collections and stuff, uh, you know, this was one of the, the top tier kind of choices and films for, for us and our friends, uh, you know, in our twenties and, and everything. So that's why I had to pick that, uh, for the big, segment here on what's real friday at midnight i had something that was kind of neat that i wanted to note for this too uh one of the reasons why this movie kind of fell by the wayside originally is because it was set to be released around 9 11. yeah that screwed up a lot of films after that happened they kind of can't like they lowered the release and everything so like they didn't do like a big release like they were going to so like it was definitely a product of you know that had obviously nothing to do with them but they they obviously got kind of screwed on it so yeah it's timing uh it, yeah it's it's definitely timing and, and it's a shame but you know that that stuff does happen unfortunately in the world so uh but overall you know that's boondock saints but the j as we do here on the show hit us with a tagline for boondock saints thy kingdom come thy will be done hey Ed, and then the other one was uh, uh brothers killers saints there you go so that is the boondock saints from 1999 hope you guys enjoyed that we are going to take a quick commercial break and whenever we come back we're going to take up with part two of fridays at midnight with 1979's crippled masters so stay tuned we'll be back with that and much more right after this right here on the what's real podcast hey yins guys that's right it's your boy the J once again as the great Chris Jericho used to say, representing the Dubar question mark, the What's Real podcast. And I am here today for local Pittsburgh area independent production company, Churchill Pictures. And the Jay can admit, for those consistently listening, week to week we have ads for Churchill Pictures. You may be rolling your eyes, but this time, this week, I have a gift for you where you can watch some of our feature films for free for the first time. For those that don't know, Churchill Pictures is based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, established from the bond of two childhood friends. Churchill Pictures envisions creating visual content that is completely original, thought-provoking, and most importantly, entertaining. Check all the information out at churchillpictures.com today. And as I said at the top of the ad, your chance to see their two feature films for free. Just subscribe to YouTube's Churchill Pictures channel. Go to YouTube subscribe to the churchill pictures channel and you'll be able to watch the full feature film the 2012 silver ace award winner from the las vegas film festival deference deference the full movie is for free on our youtube channel then our second feature film the unsung is now available for free on tubi tubi is a free streaming site just has a little bit of ads but you can get used to them check us out on tubi all you have to do is register for tubi or if you're already registered go on ahead and sign in on tubi and just search the unsung the unsung is now streaming for free on tubi check us out today at churchillpictures.com or youtube deference tubi the unsung churchill pictures we create worlds the crippled masters they are frank shum and jack Kong, featuring also the yoga grandmaster ho you'll see it all in the crippled masters coming soon and we're back and it is time for fridays at midnight part two here this time with 1979's the crippled masters two men one a lowly peon and the other a dutiful nobleman 
are betrayed by their master and crippled for life, one left with no arms and the other with paralyzed legs. Despite their obvious disadvantages, they strive to seek revenge against their evil master. The two men endeavor to track down the fabled eight jade horses said to hold the key to special martial arts techniques. Uh, this is directed by La Chi. Um, and it's one of the most insane movies of all time. <laughs> this movie does not have anyone you would recognize or know in it. Um, a lot of people have referred to this movie as a disgrace, shameful, exploitive. Um, but it's really one of the most amazing things you'll ever, ever see. It's definitely a fucked up movie. Um, but it's interesting. And it's kind of cool because, like, it is one of those things that, Jay, where, like, you've never seen anything like this. I kind of, like, it struck me when I was rewatching it. Um, but, you know, Todd Browning's Freaks? Of course, yeah. This is the kung fu version of freaks. Like, it kind of is. Like, it's the evil dickhead that's, like, clearly just fucking people over until they've had enough. That's what and I don't think is revolt. exploitative because it's well, all within the story. You know, it's like it, I understand people maybe getting offended that are disabled, like, and I can't touch that. But to my opinion, I don't. I think they use the, you know, the whole situation respectfully. That's the exploitive nature of it. Like they're putting, you know, real life amputees and people like that in the movie. Um, I, you know, I mean, how many opportunities are these people? That's what get I mean. In a that's, movie, so yeah, I, that's. You know, I like I can that. see if they were making fun of them. I just feel like they treat the source material respectfully I mean, and they don't really and, you know, and make let's it be humor. honest, dude, the fucking fight scenes in this are impressive. Ridiculous as shit. Yeah, for like super low budget guys, in 79. The stuff these guys can do is amazing. Like it really that's it, dude. This movie, the premise and how fucked up it is will suck you in. And then the moment the fight scenes start, you'll be like, holy shit, this movie's not fucking around. Um, this is also one of those things that I think about the J. Like, this movie was a pretty big deal on 42nd Street uh, upon its release, right? I could not imagine seeing this movie with that fucking audience. Like, people must have been going completely nuts. Yeah. That, that like, walking experience. into this... Yeah. Not really like you kind of know what they're going for, but like you don't and watching it play out, your mind would be fucking blown. I know that's how I felt the first time I saw this. Oh, yeah, because it's it's bookended by two of the best things ever. It's like the beginning part when the evil master turns on them and cripples both of them. Yep. And how how their downfalls go where they're just like tossed around because they're amputees like they, yep. they get gorilla pressed at least three times each yeah and, and it's like brutal and then the whole build up with the master that finds them and teaches them and how yep. they learn to work together and that whole montage where like the one dude's using his legs the other dude's using his arms and it all builds up to the climax which is unreal where they come back for revenge. So like the buildup of it is, is really good too. It gets me every time. And and you could tell me, I don't know uh, if you stumbled on this earlier, Hey Ed, but this was a high school movie. Like speaking of word of mouth, I remember a group of friends and goofs in high school, everybody was talking like, did you see crippled masters? So I remember like that going around, you know, where we finally saw it over a friend of ours house. Dude. Yeah. It's this movie. Is was it so high school bonkers. for you? Yeah. It was yeah I thought so. Yeah. I thought we all, found it then um 
and I was already like a kung fu movie guy. Like yep, I love exactly. Bruce Lee shit. So it's like, wait a minute, what is this? And like through the years, like it's just like regular movies. Like we have like normal movies and then there's like B movies, right? In Japan and Korea and Hong Kong, there's a whole subsect of like B kung fu movies, like lower budget ones and shit. And just like horror and things like that, what they had to do to compete with the bigger studios is they had to like go for way more outrageous subject matter or be way more gory or have way more nudity in them because that's to something stand out. That a, yeah, they would stand out. This is literally the example of this. Like they went for something that's just so out of left field. And the feats that these guys, like the, there's a guy in the movie that essentially has no arms. He has like stubs. But, like, when you're watching this dude, like, whipping around fucking bamboo sticks and shit, it's unbelievable, like, that this dude can do the stuff that he can do. And, and talk about character development, where you, like, are so, at least for me, talking for myself, like, I get so behind these guys, again, because of that buildup that I was referring to, that the film's three acts compri you know, are comprised of, and you're, like, completely behind them because they're, you know, completely turned on the villain's greatness you know you, it, you definitely he's hate a him bastard, man. he's a piece of shit you hate him so it's great because he does his job obviously and and that leads to the the two leads uh, again like as the audience member you can't wait for the revenge which is all part of a a revenge flick like this you know it has to be built up right and, and yep. revenge movies are, are kick ass and that's exactly what this is but yeah you really get behind these guys because of their deficiencies and, and like you said once they start training and you see the shit they can do i don't know how you can't be behind them yeah and it, dude they're really good at this too and i don't know why this is such a like a big selling point in kung fu movies in general but like if you notice this in a lot of kung fu movies the jay it's always like there's like a class struggle it's always like the yeah i think the that's part of the guy, culture or yeah it's like you're always rooting for like the poors or the the underprivileged people or you know the you, you push the people around enough and they're gonna revolt kind of shit like that's always tied into this stuff and it's just such a it works like I think anybody can kind of like understand that or at least grasp what they're going for. So it works. And, you know, like you were saying, it does such a good job at building up like this asshole villain that you just can't wait to see him get his comeuppance. And that's literally the selling point of the movie, you know. And in the meanwhile, they there's some other stuff and some funny shit, you know, things like that. But like. Overall, that's really, you're just kind of waiting for that to pop off. And when it does in this one, like, it's pretty fucking cool. Like, I, I, like, I love movies that set that standard of like, like, this is a movie from 1979. I still have never seen anything quite like it. Like, I don't care if it's low budget. I don't care if it's foreign. I don't care the filmmaking techniques. Like, they did something here that no one's ever done before or after them. So to me, that's like a film benchmark. Trailblazing, man. We talk about those kind of things, and that's definitely what Crippled Masters is. And one of the backbones of this, hey, Ed, is the two Crippled Masters chemistry and build-up is great as well. Where They're enemies. We always say, as, as a movie from 79, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. But yeah, they, they kind of start off as enemies because the one, one dude gets crippled before the other, before the evil master turns on him. 
So he's kind of involved with the first one's demise, and then he ends up right with them. So the the one's determined. You know, this is the one with the stubs for arms. He's he's determined to just uh, completely torture the other crippled master until he kills them, and then the master steps in and, and gets them to align and everything. But that's like such a cool part. You know how yes. they're enemies at first and hate each other, but then they learn to work to get together and basically become the crippled brothers. Now, dude, I've always kind of been curious about this. So I know you're familiar with Shaw Brothers movies, right? Yep. So Shaw Brothers made a movie called Crippled Avengers. Uh, but the thing is, all the handicapped people in it are able-bodied. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just portraying characters like that. And it makes me wonder if somebody saw that and were like, we can do this with people with real issues because um, both of the guys, the lead star, it stars Jackie Kahn and Frankie Shum. Uh, both uh, paralyzed from the waist down. Um, well, I'm sorry. Frankie Shum was paralyzed from the waist down, but Jackie Kahn's the guy that was born with no arms. Um, I don't know how they were found, but they also, too, to make them leads. That's pretty wild. Like, yeah, it's a big risk. You would, you would assume that they would have two able-bodied people that somehow represented them, and then that's how they would bring them into the fold. They don't even fuck around with that in this. So... It's a pretty amazing thing for that. Like, I would really like to see, because I think through, like we were talking about, like through the years, this movie's kind of gotten a bad reputation as being like exploitive. But I guarantee you, like if somebody today that like had these deficiencies watched these movies, I think they'd feel differently about it. I really do. Yeah, it's, that's how I feel. I, I feel like, and again, you would have to ask somebody that's disabled, but it's two legitimately disabled people that agreed to do this. And I think went, quite obviously from watching this all out you know like they took like i keep saying they took it very seriously it's not like a tongue-in-cheek thing or anything like that i mean these dudes kick ass in this movie yeah and and it's not really like you said like they're not making fun of anybody that's crippled it's the the bad guy it's the character that's what that's yeah, what it's, he literally like cripples people like he the yeah guy, it's, it's, it's brutal off with acid oh like, it's brutal I mean, they, that's part of the building of the story. But, you know, once they do that, then it's like they're not he's not like laughing at them because they're crippled. He like is just he's about money. He he's wants evil. rent. And yeah, he's a dickhead just over money. So and he will do whatever to get his money. And these people have kind of had enough. But uh, Crippled Masters is a really fucking cool movie. I definitely recommend it just for the sheer fact that you've never seen anything quite like it. Obviously, it's not going to be for everybody. Some people might have a few issues with uh, the folks in the movie being crippled. Um, if you can obviously look past that, it's a great film. Um, I definitely recommend it. I even think if you do have a problem with the crippled thing, you should still give it a try to kind of see what we're talking about. Um, it doesn't really make fun of them. They are the heroes of the movie after all. And uh, yeah, you're not going to spend 90 minutes finding something quite like this ever. I, I remember finding it in high school, Hey Ed, and just not having any idea. And as a teenager, you're just thinking it's going to be like a comedy and you're like ready to laugh. And then yep. like, like you said, we respected Kung Fu films and we're into that stuff. So I remember, yeah, we, that's why we passed it around. We're like, dude, no, it's actually fucking awesome. It's like, they're selling points. These dudes fucking kick ass. Like it's yeah. entertaining. It's, it's crazy. Boring. It's not stupid. Like, yeah. Right. It's, it's a feat. You know what I mean? And not too many movies give you shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's pretty impressive for what it is. So that's why I picked it here for Fridays at Midnight, which I think in a lot of ways, the Jay, this is probably going to be the one segment that we do on the show 
that's probably going to introduce people to stuff they had no idea really ever existed. Like it's the perfect form for that kind of stuff. And we were talking about this before, before we even went on the air as far as this goes. But like we have more content for Fridays at midnight than we would anything. And uh, more is coming ahead. Yeah, more is coming. We could just kind of announce that. Um, The month of April, Fridays at midnight is back full time for the month of April. So each and every week of April, we're going to be doing Fridays at midnight. So we're going to have a lot of different new stuff for you guys that you might not be too familiar with. And uh, that's kind of the point of this. And it's like, you know, a way for me and the Jay to watch a lot of weird stuff and bring it to your attention because these movies are definitely not going to be too mainstream. Like Boondock Saints might be one of the most mainstream things that ever shows up on Fridays at midnight because it's really, you know, it's not it's the purpose of the segment. So we're going into the well. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to show you guys just how varied we are in our movie watching. Uh, and this segment is perfect for that. So, But we're up against our last commercial break. Whenever we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. And the Jay is going to talk some goofs. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this right here on the What's Real Podcast. It's live. IWC Professional Wrestling. Saturday, March 25th at 7 p.m. at Mark's Court Time in Elizabeth, PA. This is 22. 22, celebrating 22 years of IWC, also live on IWCWrestling.com and Fight TV. Step right up, Fridays at midnight here. We got all the finest women in the world. We got all the kind of craziest stuff you've ever seen. Hey, buddy, what about you? Why don't you come on into Fridays at midnight and see what the world beholds? Hey, what kind of wares do you have? What kind of place is this? This looks pretty unique. Tracy, want to check this out? You like hot women? You like crazy people? What about murder? We got that too. Cartoon characters, stupidity, just about everything you guys want to see. Come on in. Just a small fee, if you will. Sorry, Tracy. I love all these things. I'm leaving you. You stay here. Here it is, sir. All right. Head on in. All right. Fridays at midnight, everybody. What's Real Podcast. Join us next week for one of the craziest movie segments in podcasting. Fridays at midnight. Hey everybody, this is Herman James for the What's Real Podcast, and I'm here to just let you know to welcome you to Goofs or Geeks. And we're back, and it's that time once again. So the Jay, what do we got this week on the Goof Front? Uh, welcome to the waterfall of Goofs. Hey Ed, the lagoon here by What's Real Studios. Uh, due to technical difficulties, we were talking about it on air, uh, but that got lost or whatever the fuck happened in the ether. But we were mentioning we were doing some construction here and it is looking really nice. You know, we had to clean up the organic penguin farm and all that shit from the last few weeks and last month. And we're kind of getting back with the budget and everything. So I'll take it, but it's starting to look beautiful and I can't wait for spring, man. It's going to be here sooner than later. Hey, yeah. I mean, I'm see this over here, man. This The craftsmanship on this is beautiful. This is really this is really nice. Like I don't know how we pulled this off financially, but yeah, we got I one of know. the guys. He worked on the set of the Lord of the Rings films in New Zealand. He's a set builder, so he did a bunch of the the deck work. So we'll Dude. take it. That's Cam's connections, you know, with uh, okay, Damiano. Dude, what the fuck? We got to talk. Like this is a lot of money, man. Like we got to talk this over off the air. Like I don't. Is this what is this costing? What it looks like it's costing us? Yeah, right we'll now? talk about it. Definitely not oh, something geez. we want public at this time. Great. But welcome, hey, to episode 155, the big one nickel nickel. 
goofs are goofs. And we're starting with this story. It was our friend, uh, Constantino, that those that don't know, listening to us, a good friend of Hey Ed and I's, his last name's Dinu. He slings gyros and dick. And he, he told G and D. He told me this story that he finally was hooking up with this girl that like took forever and took out a condom. And it was like one he's had for like the past five years. And it was chicken flavor uh, from ramen. You're, you're such a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our friend Nikki. That, yeah. I was dying. I just wanted to open with that because that's something Constantino would do. He's like, I got that chicken flavor. And he would use it anyway. And she's like screaming, like, you're burning me. It's like, I'm sorry. This condom's weird. Yeah. It's it's chicken. Like, why does it smell like ramen and noodles in here? He's he's like, I'm making broth. I don't know if you saw saw this terrible shit, but the, the Paul brothers, obviously, with the fallout of Jake Paul's loss to Tommy Fury and being all pissed off, he went and got interviewed by TMZ. This is Jake Paul. And he said, he, I had a wet dream before my Fury fight fucked myself, literally. So if that's not the worst excuse you ever heard, hey, Ed, uh, throw another one out there. Yeah, I also saw, too, that he was, like, dehydrated and shit. But I'm like, it's funny because, like, the press conference before, you're like, no, I'm good. Yeah, because I guess he, he abstains from sexual encounters, Jake Paul, before the fights. And he said the fight with Tommy Fury was soiled from the start. The problem child just revealed he had the wet dream before his loss to TNT, which wasted all the testosterone he was building up for weeks. So, you know, I guess he nutted in his sleep and was building up testosterone. And <laughs> hey, I, I, I wish he'd abstain from boxing, but that's just me. Yeah, he was saying he was building his batch so he could rack up so much testosterone he'd go like the Incredible Hulk into an angry fucking fighter. Uh, but he had a little accident just hours before the fight, wasting two weeks of sperm. Uh, I guess after holding it all in. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the decandrical that he's on had nothing to do with any of that, though. Well, it says he isn't blaming his whole loss on the wet dream, saying, I think it's one of, of many reasons. <laughs> yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're just not as good of a boxer. Don't forget that one, you dumbass. Yeah, one of the worst excuses of all time from the, one of the Paul bros. It's like, yeah, man, my nuts juiced a little bit, so I think I'm fucked. I can't fight. Like, I'm surprised they didn't cancel the fucking fight because of that. Like, fight canceled. Jake Paul has wet dream. Like, <laughs> yeah. At 28. Welcome, like, how old is wel- that dude? Welcome to hell, everyone. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are we doing here? Speaking of welcome to hell, hey, Ed, this is the viral <laughs> and nightmare fuel portion of GRG. As Great. scientists have revived a, they revived a zombie virus that spent 48,500 years frozen in permafrost. Yeah. Dear scientists, don't. <laughs> we've, we've done a story not too long ago that's, that I see actually a lot online still of uh, the science group bringing back the woolly mammoths. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And uh, people voted for bringing back dinosaurs like 60 to 40. There's like 60% of people that they asked that want dinosaurs back. And now you have scientists reviving a zombie virus that spent almost 50 years frozen. Yeah, I don't think anybody's like, boy, if they could just find a zombie virus or something. Don't don't cure cancer or anything. Go find a fucking zombie virus. That's what we needed. Yeah, because they're saying there's a lot going on with the permafrost that is of concern. And it really shows why it's super important that we keep as much of the permafrost frozen as possible. Because I guess, you know, with this, the Arctic kind of, you know, 
I guess it's melting <laughs> in a lot of ways from what I'm picking up yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this frozen layer of soil beneath the ground, it's potentially stirring viruses. And they, they were viruses that were lying dormant for tens of thousands of years. So it could definitely endanger animal and human health. Yeah, people are idiots. Stop doing that shit. So get get ready for the zombie virus of 2025, hey, Ed, is, is what we're saying here at the What's Real podcast. Great. We'll survive. We got uh, General Nocturus on our side. That's true. Yeah, we... We don't spend all this money just for the show. It's in case a total breakdown of society. Yeah, and the, the breakout of the zombie virus. Uh, next up is Russell Wilson and Ciara as they were visiting a maximum security prison and singing and dancing with 300 inmates. Yeah, that sounds cool. So Russell I Wilson's think. like, after this year, you know, him and the Level Up singer headed out to Everglades Correctional Institution in Florida, of course, to help lead a prayer with incarcerated men and <laughs> dance to the Bible. So it's like, hey, Russ, you don't need to do shit like that. Just take calls from your teammates and don't you don't need an office on the ninth floor of the same building all the players are in, you fucking weirdo. Yeah, he read the group a Bible verse before Ciara sang to the crowd, and it's called Go Behind Bars, the organization to bring Christianity to uh, sexual predators and violent murderers. So Russell Wilson, I guess you could say he's doing like good things. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll call your cough <laughs> with this one a 40 a 45 year old cheer coach charged with rape after allegedly having sex with her daughter's 16 year old boyfriend 300 times and the, the first comment who counted <laughs> yeah the, the the kid probably like yep we're up to 300 now and speaking of boning, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> is being sued over their boneless wings. <laughs> Did you hear that one? <laughs> speaking of boning. <laughs> An irate customer. You mean, wait, speaking of deboning. <laughs> speaking actually. of deboning, a irate customer is claiming there is no wing meat in Buffalo Wild Wings boneless wings. Well, what the fuck is, what is it then? Uh, the customer cries foul. Hey, Ed, F-O-W-L. See what TMZ did there. And we've been having some doozies of names here on Goose or Goose. And this is another one. The man dragging Buffalo Wild Wings into a class action lawsuit. Eamon Hallam. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's actually. got a serious bone to pick. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but he's saying that they are not deboned wings at all, as they have customers believe, but rather slices of breast meat. Deep fried like wings with a composition more akin to nuggets than wings and can sometimes taste like human skin. <laughs> so it's like, Dude, I feel like you were that like you sounded like a commercial to me for a second there. Like yeah. try our new yeah. human skin wings. Yeah. Like, Here at B dub dub. It has a it has a beautiful consistency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! You just see Eamon Hallam dipping his dick in ranch. Like it's like, all right, we're throwing the lawsuit out. Actually, get this motherfucker out of here! Yeah. Nope, can't. He's the guy that brings in all the the deboned wings. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this one. Uh, I sent you the direct message as as we do here on GRG. Uh, but this is the oldest professional wrestler going. He's seventy five. He's the Georgia heavyweight champion 
Golden Boy Chick Donovan, hey, uh, recently won a steel cage match without no ever way, getting dude. inside the cage. <laughs> dude, Chick Donovan still fucking wrestles. And he's the Georgia heavyweight champ, hey, Ed, the Golden dude, Boy. Do you remember him? Vaguely. He looks familiar. I'm watching the dude, footage he, now. He was a WWF jobber in like the 90s. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But he looked, he looked like he was 75 then, but he yeah. wasn't. And now he's, he's fighting a dude that's like... Six five three fifty. Jesus Christ! But yeah, he won a steel cage match without ever getting inside the cage, and successfully defending the Georgia Heavyweight Championship at the ripe old age of seventy five years old. Young, hey Ed. I'm sending boy. you something that that has nothing at all to do with goofs or goofs, but it's from our good friend Darcy down at the the last driving. Nice. So I'm gonna do that on the live on the air. Is that so the, are you? Uh, it's on Twitter, yeah. Okay. Tweeting me. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, just... messaged. Yeah, it's uh she celebrates things on Twitter very nicely. I'll say that. Yeah, much. we always like to see that and shout out Darcy as uh kinky horror. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Beautiful yeah, breastesis. Yep. Today's snapback. If you understand the joke, we can be besties. Hashtag Weezer Wednesday, and I'm all for it. Looking like a a, run, a little bunny rabbit. With yeah, she's, she's fucking ridiculous. She's what though. we call here on the show like a cap gun banging. Exactly. Good call. Uh, next up is uh, one of our last ones here for Goose or Goose 155. It's just we like to do our follow-up stories. This is that IG model Mary Magdalene. Uh, no, like not the one from the, the, not Bible. the, one from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, her, her breast reduction after implant pops again. Uh, but now she's glad because she lost 20 pounds. So uh, she gave herself a breast reduction after uh, 38J implant bursts. Motherfucker. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, so, you know. She, you know, she only has one huge boob and nothing on the other side. So it looks like she has a bowling ball in her bra. Yeah. And some dude out there is like, that's what I've been looking for. Oh, yeah. Because they, they call her hashtag uni boob. Naturally. So, you know, there, yeah. there's a bunch of saggy tattooed skin where the other implant used to reside. And she's now a C cup after going under the knife. Oh, okay. So they got it back in because her D or no, she had K cups at one point. Hey, Ed. And what uh, is she a curing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and her boobs, her actual boobs were so damaged. She had no <laughs> tissue left at all. Doctors were enamored with her case, but they were able to get plastic surgeons to perform a lift. They were so. enamored with her case. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I bet they were. <laughs> and one more tidbit, as I shall say, Ed. What one, one more tidbit? <laughs> yeah, Mary uh, says she also had a vagina reduction, so she's no longer claiming to have the world's fattest vagina. Someone call Guinness. <laughs> I no longer have the world's fattest vagina. <laughs> yeah. What, a, dude? What the fuck is this? And that was in a week. That was in a press release. That was in a press release. Like she gets on the horn, like, "Hey, put out the thing about me not having the world's fattest pussy anymore, Joe." <laughs> yeah. No problem. I'm on that. Like, like no problem, Mary Mags. I gotta hit the tape recorder over the fucking. <laughs> I don't. Jesus yeah, Christ. I sent this I'm, one I'm, to you. The witching hour. Yo, it's we are here. Blaring in yep. this motherfucker. But uh, LeBron James on IG just casually discovered a new species. Did you see that? And I wanted to ask no. you. Yeah, so King James was rehabbing his foot. And he said, can't even rehab properly without the paparazzi. It, this was a joke. 
relaxed man just trying to get a view of he calls it a ram that's not a ram is it for those listening you got to look this up it's uh let me see on king james and there's footage of what appears to be a mythical creature that lebron's looking filming during his foot uh surgery the fuck is that so you guys can look this up and and write us at what's real pod at gmail.com on what you think this creature is and we'll discuss next week hey ed dude doesn't seem to have an anus it looks like it dude it looks like part bear part like horse or or like, like something goat. like that yeah and a goat yeah and i guess you can like, see why he thought it was a ram but i don't think it's a ram braun no that is not a ram i don't know what the fuck that is it's not a ram um yeah like, <laughs> said he casually discovered a new species on his yeah, like this motherfuckers like look at this ram and, and like some yeah. some scientist is like, like we've never not, seen this yeah they're taking over like it's like a gorilla goat Dude, and it's it like has like it's muscular white fur. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like here's the weird thing. Like either like either this thing is like just fairly normal or it's big as fuck. Like no, I can't I think really it's big, tell. dude. It looks muscular as shit. I yeah, I don't know how tall it is. It's there's this no perspective, like, but this is like the king of the mountain horses yeah. or something. Dude, if shit, I saw that like, in real life, I'm out. Like, shit, would you yeah, fuck I'm with like, that? No. Yeah. Like I think dude, I don't fuck with nature. I don't fuck with nature, period. You know, I'm the one that tells you on the show all the time, Mother Nature sucks. Like, you don't want to be out here with shit. Yeah. And last but not least is our official viral video of the week here to be on GRG's Caboose, as we've been describing. And just sent it to you, Hey Ed, by one of our huge sponsors that has helped us so much, WorldStarHipHop.com. <laughs> oh, man. Through the interwebs, our official oh, this sponsor. Is, this is going to be some bonkers ass so bullshit. these dudes beat the shit out of this white dude with a, a mask and after he's defeated he lost the fight physically hey ed but not mentally as he runs off saying he has aids as he bleeds on everybody and people run like he's godzilla isn't that something russ used to do our buddy we're calling out our um, buddies maybe i'm not gonna confirm nor deny that on the yeah. show you got aids <laughs> There was a guy. It might be a guy that has AIDS. It is not Godzilla. Yeah, like he's not gonna kick over the buildings and eat your family. Although, if I walk in that situation, like talking for me, hypothetically speaking, I'm running. Like some dude bleeding everywhere. Like I got AIDS. Well, I'm not gonna run up and hug him. You know. I mean, it's not like fucking Tyreek Hill does it, where you're like, this dude's definitely catching me if I have to run. Yeah. Now this dude, I'm like, he just got into a fight. I'm like, I'm as long as I don't fucking like go over and lick his face, I'm probably gonna be fine. Yeah, that's true. Because you know, we we talked about that. Magic Johnson has has lived for years with <laughs> HIV. Yeah, we we always talk about Magic Johnson not dying from AIDS on the show. That's Him and Sheen. <laughs> yeah, the well, Sheen's we days are probably that. numbered. <laughs> yeah. he, he looked like a mummy the last time. His I saw days were him, numbered in '97. So that's he's, true. He's outlived him and Keith Richards. God bless him. He, because he's the fucking, they're both somehow the crypt keeper now. Yeah. They'll just live forever. But as I say to my Brutus from another Moodus, between Jake Paul's wet dreams, the zombie virus, Russell Wilson and Sierra bringing Christianity to inmates in Florida, the cheer coach that is disgusting, the wild wings that is all over the place, Chi Chi <laughs> Marino, the oldest wrestler. I can't Chi-Chi keep up. Marino. <laughs> 
goose. And, 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 the woman, and the woman that no longer has the world's fattest vagina. <laughs> yeah, goose and goose. So, since we're deep into the fucking witching Witching hour and we're both losing our mind, we're about done here for episode 55 or 155. Uno, dos, tres. Okay, check it out, guys. If if you're listening on iTunes, don't even give us any stars this week. We don't (laughs) even deserve deserve them. But you can listen every week on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and each and every week on ChurchillPictures.com. If you have anything you'd like to send us from email, don't. Fuck you. So, the J, (laughs) take it away. Rubbing it up like I'm an unnamed species that is about to be found by LeBron. <laughs> gorilla, gorilla donkey. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we just got to get off the air. We're hungry. We're tired. We're, you know, I, I was stuffed to high hell last week, snotting everywhere. And now I'm like high, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Love the show. To the wizard behind the boards, we appreciate you. That 16K, constant, consistent weekly sound thanks for what you do cam and wrapping it up hey ed leading the charge as i do like a general on my horse chakus stay safe stay healthy you'll hear the j next week so that's it for us this week here on episode 155 shout out to our producer cam for all hard work she put in the show because as we know here on the show nobody beats the whiz the j clang 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 still tag team champions of the podcasting universe gonna stay undefeated forever because that's just what we do so that is it for us this week don't forget to join us next week for episode 156 and beyond so stay safe stay healthy and we will see you here next week on the what's real podcast what's real what's